And welcome, one and all, to another episode of Night Shift. I am I'm Bryson Turner, and joining me is Eric Lopez. And Eric, I am quite amazed by what we just saw tonight for UCF baseball. <laughs> to, to to not sound uh sound cliche, UCF had an out of this world performance. Uh, you and Matt Barry of ESPN with the space references, uh, very good. But it was a good night. Seventy points. Most points UCF has ever scored against an FBS opponent uh, in school history. We'll break this down and uh, look forward to breaking this down. We'll have Kyle Nash join us from the from out of space. Uh, there you go. There's more reference there. Uh, he'll join us from the stadium after the postgame to, to share his thoughts. We're also going to talk a little bit because I'm assuming everybody's going to be in a good mood. I can't find – I can't imagine we're going to have a lot of negative comments on this game. So we are going to talk a little bit about Bas- American Conference basketball media days today. Kyle covered that. We'll ask him about that a little bit as well. Plus, you and I, Bryson, will talk about a little UCF women's soccer history that you uh, we got to see in person uh, today uh, before the football game. So that's all coming up on this edition of Night Shift. Uh, you can follow us on the YouTube channel, folks. Hey, do us a favor. Give us a thumbs up and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're going to have content. We have post-game press conferences uh, for all UCF sports here. Make sure you follow blackandgoldbanneret.com as well as follow us on Twitter uh, at blackandgoldbanneret uh, as well. So uh, follow us on all over social media. And, of course, you can watch every night shift after UCF football games on all social media platforms on Facebook Live, on Twitter, and, of course, on the YouTube channel. So, uh, Bryson, it's a packed pack show here, Bryson. It is indeed, Eric. And I just want to go ahead and bring up a certain point because I want to talk positive, positive throughout for the uh, the whole rest of the show. So I want to get this little bit out of the way first because Well, Well, Well 41 has a, has a little bit of a good point because if I can only think of one negative thing to say oh, is geez. that – I think that the defense got off to a little bit of a slow start. Now, granted, once they got going, they got going. But kind of similar with the SMU game, it kind of took them a little bit of time to get going. I mean, what what do you make of it? I don't make much of it. I mean, yeah, they had one drive, but they had, you know, hold them to a couple of field goals. I don't worry. I don't. I don't worry too much about it. I look at it as they shut them out the rest of the way. Um, and you know what I liked? I liked that the offense, it was good adversity from the standpoint the offense answered every time Temple scored early. So, uh, you know what? The defense deserves a little bit of a break. They've kind of carried this team to this point. Uh, I think tonight uh, it's all about the offense and how they clicked. It was very good. JRP, this quarterback conversation's over, Bryson. It's over. Oh, yeah. This is oh, yeah. this is going to be for J- – and I'm not saying JRP is going to light it up the rest of the year. He's probably going to have some struggles too. Uh, at times, maybe with Cincinnati, but this is his team. And what I can't wait to discuss with Kyle, but I'm going to bring it up now. I find it interesting that Thomas Castellanos came in and he looked fantastic, which makes me feel better about the future as they get to the Big 12. But it's interesting. This is the third game that Castellanos has appeared. Uh, I don't think Mikey King, we're ever going to see take another snap here unless there's a injury. Do you agree with that? I feel like uh, I'm not saying that Castellanos would take over, but there, I think there's a possibility he takes over if JR, something happened to JRP. But I don't think we're ever going to see Mikey King take another snap at UCF. I think this is JRP's team, and I think Thomas Castellanos is coming along quite fine. And I think I feel better about the quarterback position for the present and the future 
tonight better than I have, say, the last month or two. And I'm not saying that, you know, JRP is going to, like I said, going to light it up the rest of the year. But I think you have to feel good about the quarterback position with the present and the future. I think. I know injuries are really hard to predict. And I mean, heck, Mikey Keene came in last year because there was an injury. But I think that I would agree with you and that unless there's an injury of some kind, we're not going to see Mikey Keene again. And even then, that's thrown into a little bit of doubt because Thomas Castellanos came in here. He went perfect six for six. It was six fantastic. Yards, and he led the team in rushing yards well, after three attempts. I and, mean, and I, right? I agree. And and it makes you wonder if something were to happen to JRP, wouldn't maybe they just go with Castellanos because it's not as big of an adjustment offensively because he's very similar to JRP, whereas Mikey Keene's a completely different quarterback. So um, credit to the staffs. Credit to all the JRP people. They were believers. Um, yeah, I like JRP, but I had questions. So I'm not going to say I'm one of those because I, I wasn't. I was hopeful. I uh, I thought he did give him the best shot. But uh, he's coming along nicely, and the receivers are coming on nicely, and the running game was good. I mean, that this, is, I, this was what I think Gus Malzahn dreamed of when he named JRP the starting quarterback. Don't you, Bryson? I think I think so too. One thing that I mentioned, and maybe this is because I was clouded by Temple's performances, because let's let's not forget the fact that no team that Temple has played yet this season, I don't really care that if it was like the Dukes and the Lafayettes and whatever, no team that played Temple this season got more than 30 points. UCF got more than double that. No, they look good. That they look good. And they Temple's needed to Temple's do this. Temple's they, defense wasn't one to sneeze at. And this offense met met it met met it and exceeded, I think, expectations against them this time around. And with JRP, I mean, I, I I said on the round table that we needed to see consistency. I was very conservative. I thought that this was gonna be a very low scoring game because I just didn't see enough consistency out of Plumley yet. That's the one big thing. Cause I I think I believed in his ability because the 300 passing yard games said what they needed to say. The The problem then becomes, can he consistently do that or string uh, consecutive games where he does that? And he did that tonight. And if, if anything, I think he exceeded what he did against SMU last week. No doubt. He looked better, good, solid, solid performance. And they needed to do this. Their temples overmatched uh, it, talent-wise. I don't believe they should have a football program, but that's another story. Uh, UCF took care of business and made a statement, and I thought that was a good thing. And uh, I, like I said, this was this was the ideal scenario performance. This game was pretty much done at halftime, and it was really over in the third quarter. So uh, let's get to some questions here. Obviously, people can send your questions and comments to our YouTube section as well as on our Twitter page. Correct, Bryson? Yes, sir. You can tweet us at on Twitter, or you can go, or you can just send a message to us in the chat. Let's go ahead and just start with a little fun one from MG. What a performance. Where are all the JRP haters now? I'm going to guess moving on to the next person. To they're, say hiding. they're hiding somewhere. They're hiding somewhere. They're, they're, they're kind of quiet tonight. Uh, they're unbelievable. Did you realize tying Tante Culpepper's school record for touchdowns in a football game, Bryson? I mean, that for all the hoopla with Blake Bortles and McKenzie Bell, nobody ever scored as many touchdowns in a UCF football game then Dante Culpepper, and now Mikey, and then now JRP as far from the quarterback position. Unbelievable. 
Well, in in the sense of a single game, I think part of doing that in a single game is um, is is the opponent, which of course, you, as you said, Temple was a very big mismatch. But you also have to actually get to the end zone as many times as you can. Yeah. And with JRP, I mean, he he ended up doing that. I mean, look, when you get into a the same sentence as Dante Culpepper, you know you're doing something right, and that is what JRP has done to has done today. I mean. 373 passing yards and he got the and he had three rushing touch uh, touchdowns i mean the fact that he got 37 yards i keep i keep thinking he dominated the rushing attack when really he only had 37 yards and well and that's what i'm happy about bryson that's the thing is they weren't dependent on his legs because that was my criticism earlier this season is that you're too dependent on his legs he did this mostly with his arm i i think that's a very encouraging thing because I don't think he could last getting 15, 20 carries a game every game. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. Maybe in bigger, closer games, he will run more. But it was good to see him depend on his arm and, and was accurate. I, I thought he was solid. And uh, like I said, this is the best that a UCF offense in the Gus Malzahn era in the two years has looked by far. By far. And, uh, you know, credit to everybody involved. I thought the line played well. I thought everybody played well. Well, I actually found this tweet right before we we had the show. It was from Austin Heff, who we who many might know from space, the Space Knights Twitter Spaces, and he and he said earlier that this UCF offense is generational. What do you think about that? Attitude? I mean, that's a little. <laughs> let's, yeah, I, that's a that's a little aggressive aggressive comment there. Um, you know, this is the same offense that didn't score a point against Louisville in the second half, which. You just shake your head now, right? Thinking of that, oh, but look, you, the, um, the, the ESPN telecast even said you see. I bet UCF wishes they had that one back, and yeah, they probably will. But no, I, I'm that's a little aggressive, generational. But uh, look, I mean, this is what Gus Malzahn. And this is the Gus Malzahn offense. If if this is what Gus envisioned, I think this is why he went with JRP to begin with. And uh, I don't think they would have scored 70 points with Mikey Keene at quarterback. Unfortunately, no disrespect to Mikey Keene, but JRP does have is a playmaker uh, when he's yeah. on his game. And, and, and as long as he completes the passes that he is supposed to complete and it shows the accuracy, they're going to be tough to beat. Can he do that on a week to week basis? That remains to be seen. What I what, honestly, one thing that stood out to me when watching the broadcast is they had this little segment where they were talking about how, Gus Malzahn, like this was a diamond in the rough type of job for him and how they've noticed how much Gus has started to love coaching again. And well, there's I, less, right, right. There's less like pressure that. here. Just, yeah. It feels like that environment has really helped him be kind of, I, I guess, with the pressure off of him in a, in, in not like how it was at Auburn. Well, that, yeah, nothing's like right? Auburn. I mean, Auburn was, to, it's toxic. I mean, we see, look at what's going on with Brian Hartston, how they try to get him out during the off season. I mean, it's toxic in that place. So this is, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's enjoying coaching. Uh, there's expectations, but it's not like Auburn where it's ridiculous uh, levels, uh, absurdity. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's enjoying it. I think he knows he's in a great situation, obviously, with the move to the Big 12. So, uh, and you're getting a lot of talent, and he's got a good staff. He's built a good staff, especially, you know, on Krause. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think that's fair. So I want to I want to quickly touch on because I know we've talked about JRP and Thomas Castellanos a lot, but I want to be ask you what do you think about some of the guys that we kind of got to see a little bit with the rushing and receiving because RJ Harvey 
I mean, he had a really good first half, tying his career high of 73 rushing yards. And had Thomas Castellanos not burst burst out for his total that he had, he would be the team's leading rusher. Well, I think it's been established now. You have Bowser and Harvey as your two main running back guys. I think Richardson's more of a playmaker, scat back who can get some carries, but then be used more as a receiving back, in my opinion, on that. Yeah, I think Harvey's, and it's great. Remember, he had a serious injury. There was people last year, Bryson, um, at fall camp before Harvey got injured that thought Harvey was the best back. So now we're starting to see that with, you know, and that's adding to the strength of this running game which adds helps to the offense, makes it easier for the quarterback, makes it easier for the defense. Because, again, they don't have to be on the field the entire game like they used to be under the previous regime. So, yeah, I think Harvey, you've got a good thing doing with the one-two punch with Bowser and Harvey, in my opinion. And you got Richardson as well in the mix. You're seeing the depth of that running back kind of play out and a lot of options for that team as far as what who could get the ball in the in the backfield. We also got to we also got to see a little bit of peaks at uh, at at McDonald, Stephen Martin, Jordan McDonald, yeah, I mean, he looked good too as well. Um, what do you th- what do you think about some of that? Because those are some depth pieces that are that will probably end up being you being crucial for the team's future. What do you think about seeing them tonight? Yeah, it was good. I mean, these are the type of games where you need to see those guys play, and it was great. That's why it was so important to get this dominant performance and build a big lead so you could get some of these youngsters some playing time and see what they could do and you know, get their feet wet and, you know, help towards build towards the future. So uh, it was a fun night. Like I said, they destroyed Temple. Uh, Like I said, now it it does set up a tricky situation next week because now everybody, it'll be, you know, they're going to be a big favorite going into Greenville for a late night, uh, for a night kickoff game in Boneyard. So, but no, it was good to see those guys perform and step up when their number's called. Here's a curious question from Jim John. Um, you said this was JRP's team now. So will Thomas Castellanos wait for JRP or will he transfer a transfer? And I yeah. I don't yeah. know. I, I do think that JRP has a lot that he can help Castellanos, Castellanos round out his abilities. I mean, we've seen that he's a very capable rusher. The passing is great, but I think it is much more valuable for those two to work together longer than anything else. And I think that would make Castellanos more uh, Castellanos more prepared for when he eventually inherits the program. And I think I don't think I think he could he could still technically redshirt this season. Correct. Well. I mean, he's only played in 3 games. I mean, that's a big part of the equation here. If Castellanos only plays in four games this year, he could redshirt. So basically, and then next year, he's still a fresh, you know, has that extra year of eligibility. I still think there's questions about JRP beyond this year. Will he play baseball? You know, what is he, does he, does he decide to come back to play quarterback next fall in the big 12? Uh, Does he decide to move on? Uh, You know, either play baseball, you know, because there's people that think he could play professional baseball. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think there's too many questions with that. I'm not too worried about the, well, is Thomas going to transfer? I don't believe that. Uh, I think when you're Thomas Castellanos, I mean, you've got a chance to be the starting quarterback for in the Big 12, could be as early as next year, no later than two years. What I will say is this, um, Timmy McClain will not start over Thomas Castellanos. Having seen what I saw from Castellanos, Timmy McClain's not at his level. And it's not even close. Like this kid, he was impressive. I mean, that was impressive. Oh, yes. I mean, now 
do you think that Timmy McLean will have to, will might transfer away again, or do you think he? I don't know. I think he'll compete, and you know who knows. That's like next fall stuff. We'll worry about that next fall. I mean, you need depth anyway. I mean, you never know what's going to happen at the quarterback position. But no, I, I I'm not too worried about that right now. I I feel good with where JRP is playing this year, and I feel good about what I've seen from Thomas. And uh, he's coming along. And remember, the coaching staff, and you know this, Bryson, talking to the coaches in the media day, leading it, there was a lot of praise about Thomas Castellanos. Coaches were telling you, you were talking to some of the offensive staff, they were going out of their way to praise Thomas. So we shouldn't be surprised by this. Oh, yeah. I'm not surprised by this at all in the sense that, you know, Thomas Castellanos had a good performance. I think it, I'm just a little bit taken aback that he would he would, you know, do so good this soon. I mean, I was thinking more along the lines of, oh, okay, he's showing up really well in practice. So, you know, he'll get some playing time and, you know, maybe he'll have a little bit of those, you know, true freshman, you know, rough edges a little bit just to kind of work that out. But he went a perfect, I mean, he went a perfect six for six and then ran three times for 88 yards and a touchdown. I mean, this is a coming out party for Thomas Castellanos and a little bit for Jordan McDonald too, because he ended up getting a touchdown. Well, I think the McDonald thing's important because Bowser will obviously move on. You don't know what's going to happen in the running back position. There'll probably be other guys moving on, et cetera. So it was good to see McDonald get some playing time and see what he could do. Cause he could be a big factor of this offense come next year in the big 12, which to me is important. That's just, just as important. I, I, one of the things I wanted to find out this season at the end is like, who are the guys you can depend on when you make this jump to the Big 12, which there are no temples in the Big 12, spoiler. And I feel better about it with what I've seen from some of the youngsters. So so I want to go ahead and just address the defense really quickly because I know we're, we can talk about the offense all day, but I do want to just address the defense. Jason Johnson, well done there. Nine total tackles, five total solos for him. Josh Seliscar also got in, got in as well. Six total tackles, three solos. Corey, Th- Corey Thornton, just what, what did you have to, st- what you have, what you see from the defense tonight? Uh, like you said earlier, slow start, you know, but they figured it out, made adjustments and shut Temple down the rest of the way. Is that a concern moving forward? Eh, maybe when you play better offenses or better line, but yeah, I think they were fine after a bit of a hiccup. I would call it a hiccup. They, uh, they did what they needed to do in my opinion. All right, so we have. Let's go ahead. We have a question from Dan Johnson, who says, "I'm still I'm a little concerned about consistency." Yeah, they see like Dan Johnson and I are kind of thinking on the same wavelength a little bit. I need to wait until they play a tougher team, don't you? I I do agree with you on that level. I was when I did talk about consistency, Dan. I was referring more to John Rice Plumley specifically because he hadn't had a 300-yard rushing game consecutively until, you know, last week against SMU and this week against Temple. But as far as consistency, I, 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 I can say that I wouldn't doubt you. Wouldn't, I wouldn't say that having doubts is a bad thing because Temple is Temple. It, it, the, the mismatch, like Eric said, is there. And so when you, and we're going to have moments in the conference schedule coming coming up in the future i mean we're gonna have to go and have to face ecu Tulane, navy and i know what you guys are gonna say i don't care what navy's record is i am going to be wary of them all the time they have wear about them all the time but with these 
games that they have coming up. And all of them are going to be outside the state of Florida too. um, After this game, they're going to be, they're, they're now going to be heading outside the state of Florida for the first time. And I'm very intrigued to see how the, the, this team will handle being in a hostile environment and if they'll be able to keep up the consistency that they've been showing as they perform here in the bounce house. What do you think, Eric? Um, Dan, Dan asks about the team's consistency and he says he need they, that we need to wait until they play a tougher team to really get a handle on it. And, um, and I kind of mentioned a little bit how, you know, this is going to be, it, we've now reached the end of the long streak of playing games in the state of Florida. So what, what are your thoughts on all this? The problem is there's not many tough teams on the schedule. Um, so I hear that. I agree. Like, we're, you know, like Cincinnati will be tough. East Carolina is tricky. I'm going to be really interested to see how this team comes out in Greenville. You mentioned it earlier, uh, just a moment ago about playing at night in Greenville. First flight of the season. How does a team first flight for the team? That's going to be a good environment. East, I've been up there to the Boneyard in Greenville. It's a beautiful football stadium. It's rocking when it's packed. Um, so I'll be curious how this team comes out for that game. Cincinnati's a big game. It's looming. And then, honestly, here, Bryson, here, here's the thing. We're going to learn everything about this UCF team and where this team is going this year in the next three weeks. At East Carolina, Cincinnati, and I believe at Memphis right after that. That's where we're, we're going to learn, I believe, everything. Those are your next three games for UCF. That's going to be the biggest, that's going to be the biggest, to me, what we're going to learn what this 2022 UCF football team is. Either they're going to be a conference championship favorite at the end of that, uh, perhaps a New Year's Six uh, favorite contender, or not. But that's, to me, when you look at the schedule, you're at ECU's a tricky game, home to Cincinnati, that's looming big. Could be a top 25 game if both teams take care of business in the next couple of weeks. Maybe college game day makes a, uh, a return. Huh? Little tease there, um, and, and then at Memphis, at Memphis, which is a tough place to play, uh, yeah. and then I'll actually let me let me uh, let me correct myself. The next four games oh, at yeah. ECU, host Cincinnati, at Memphis, and at Tulane, because Tulane yep. has played very well this year. So the next four weeks, to me, will be that will define this season for UCF. Three of the next four on the road uh, with them, with ECU, Memphis, Tulane, and then Cincinnati the top, the defending champions in the league. We're going to, that's, to me, that the next four weeks will tell the story. And if they can go three and one in that stretch, they're in good position to reach the American Conference Championship game because I think they'll beat up on Navy and South Florida at the end of the season. So, um, you know, but if they win out in that four-game stretch, they got a shot to be in New Year's Six. So uh, we're going to learn all, we're going to get all the answers, Bryson, in the next month. I... I do agree with that. I'm I want to disagree with you about that with that about Navy. I do not care what Navy's record is. They were winless when they beat us last year. I don't care what Navy's record is. I'm always going to be wary of that of that triple offense. But I do agree with you. The next the next four, at least conventionally, the next four games are gonna be key. I rem or, or before the season started, I pegged Tulane as a game where that could be a game where this team where this team could trip up. It's the second week on the road. Yeah. Tulane yeah. has been really good. Volume here, the base legend made the point of saying they beat K State. It's what it's a it, they're a good team, and there's going and there's yeah, Coach going- Fritz has done a nice job. Uh, and UCF's had tricky games up there before, so you're right. 
No, I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying there. I think the next four games, I want to see how that team comes out of it. I, you know, because those are, let's be real, Cincinnati, Memphis, maybe, and Tulane, three of those teams are contenders right now for the conference championship game. So those, that's why those, you know, that's why I don't, you know, those games could be a swing game as far as tiebreakers are concerned. So it's going to be very interesting. And this is why, Bryson, the ECU game's tricky because you can't overlook, you can't start thinking about Cincinnati going on the road to East Carolina. You know what I'm saying? This is the this is the true definition of a trap game. I yeah, I I think you make a really good point with that, Eric. I'm bringing I'm actually bringing up the uh, trying to bring up the conference standings right now so we can take a little look see at that really quickly. But well, I, I follow, following here while you looked that up. Uh, Tulane beat Kansas State, no question. That's a big win for Tulane. It's probably the best win that anybody in the American has had in the non-conference, quite honestly. Uh, you know, so you're right on that. Fallen Hero says ECU has upset alert run over. Yeah, that's a trap game. I, I don't disagree, especially at night. If that was at daytime, I would feel good about it. Everybody that's listened to the podcast knows I'm not the biggest Holton Aylers fan. I still think UCF can win that game, but I do think that's going to be uh, a tricky game. The one negative that I would say from the game, the bigger concern, and we'll ask Kyle if they uh, if we have any information, is uh, the Baker injury. Remember that we kind of uh, left the game there after the th- low throw there. Not a good throw there. One of the few bad throws from JRP. Hopefully he's going to be okay. Well, the good news about that is is that Kobe Hudson, I think, f- f- filled in for him quite admirably. I mean, when you look. He led the team in receiving yards with just four receptions for 121 yards and two TDs. So if if Baker needs to rest for a little bit, I think that uh, Hudson really helps really helps fill in for that with that one-two punch with Ryan O'Keefe. So if you need if, if Baker needs some time to heal, then by all means let him. Um, I was looking here, so. Okay, so here was the conference standings that we conference standings as of this moment and tie for the conference lead right now. Cincinnati at five and one, Tulane at five and one, UCF. At well, that's five. the overall record. What you're reading right, there, well, right? And it's right here. But like Cincinnati, Tulane, and UCF now both have gone two and zero in conference play. Memphis and Navy right here are two and one. I'm telling you, I don't care what Navy's over what Navy's overall record is. They 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 can they can just sneak up on you there. Um, but yeah, with the teams that right now that they've beaten are SMU and Temple. But now over these next couple of weeks, as they play Cincinnati, Tulane, and Memphis, and Memphis, and ECU on the road certainly isn't a. Yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna get all the answers. We're gonna the 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 you know we're gonna get all the answers that we've wondered. But the good news is you're playing. You're it seems like the team's getting better, and that's what you need to see. You know, if they would have struggled tonight and struggled, boy, you'd be kind of like shaking your head. But they played well, executed well offensively. And I think that's a positive step that you're seeing improvements on a lot of different areas of this team. Special teams was good again. Remember when that used to be an issue, Bryce, early in the year? Uh, hey, Colton Boomer tied the record for the yeah. most PATs in a game. No question. So a positive optimism with the performance. But obviously, yes, lots of work to be done. Uh, we're in the next month or so. Interesting. Fallen hero base legend saying there are rumors game day has sights set on New Orleans when UCF gets there. Uh, I don't, you know, they might take a peek at that. Maybe if Tulane is still what uh, has still the one loss, maybe. Uh, 
I've heard Cincinnati UCF could be in the mix, although I know Manhattan, Kansas is the favorite as of to this week to be hosting game day the weekend of the Cincinnati UCF game from what just kind of gathering information. Uh, but let's say Kansas, because Kansas State, I believe, is hosting Oklahoma State that weekend, which is a, could be a monster Big 12 game. But let's say that Kansas State or Oak State trip up between now and then and UCF Cincinnati wins out. They may call an audible there. So uh, I may write a little bit about this in the next week or two on uh, Black and Gold Banneret. We'll see. Well, th- this is Night sh- Shift. Eric and I talking about this um, this amazing 70-13 win, honestly, by UCF over Temple. Eric, I do have one question because that I that because I was listening watching the telecast and they mentioned how UCF needs to be ranked right now, and I I I don't and I was heard that and I thought, I mean, I get why you'd say that because the performance they're having right now is dominant, but I don't know. I mean, you think you think UCF is is more what more deserving of a top twenty five spot than James Madison? Uh, I mean, what's I mean? That's all subjective. There, look, they lost to Louisville. Louisville's not a good team, and uh, that's why they're not ranked. Do I think they're going to get more votes this weekend? Yes, I do think they'll get more votes because a lot of people watched them tonight. That will likely, hey, that team's really good. Would it surprise me if they're ranked this week? No, but I think uh, I don't know if they will. But I think they'll receive votes. But as far as do they should they be ranked? No, I mean, look, if they beat Louisville, they would have been ranked. And Louisville's a bad team. I'm sorry. So. That's the uh, unfortunately. That's what it is. Uh, and look, this team is going to prove themselves. Is going to prove it if they're a top twenty-five team or not, based on the next month that we just talked about. Bryson at East Carolina, Cincinnati. Uh, you know, if they beat those teams, they're going to be ranked. That'll take care of itself. So I'm not too concerned about it. So, all right. I I wish that we could have Stat Boy Drew Andrew Glukov here with us to talk about this, but Sir Epic uh, has dropped has now said it, and I re- want to say, can we talk about the uniforms? They look solid from the broadcast, Sir Epic. I think these might be my new favorite space game uniforms, to be honest with you, because not only did UCF win with style, they looked good doing it, and. I absolutely, I, I, the only thing that maybe holds this uniform back for me a little bit is the helmet. If only because I don't really like the color transition on the logo. It looks a little, it looks like too much is going on there. Um, my, my favorite before this year was 2019 and that helmet, cause I love the uniform then too, but the helmet had a much, you know, more unifying theme there with the moon background here with the mixture of colors it feels like there's a little too much going on there but uniform wise like the the jersey wise this is by i think by far my favorite the canaveral blue never looks so good in my opinion and the contrast between the black like the black and the the white and the trimming around the number that was well done um i actually quite like the space u font i think that that looked really that, that looked really good as well and overall, like it was just a really nice aesthetic for it. Like if this 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 was a really good time to have this like Thursday night nationally televised game, so that a, a lot of people across the country can see this because UCF really put a good foot forward for themselves this week and last week too, which is nationally televised. Yeah, it'll be interesting what the numbers are for this game when it comes out on Friday. I will I'll write about it on Black and Gold Banneret. Look for, look for BlackandGoldBanneret.com. 
I will have the TV numbers for this game. It may not be, although it may not be necessarily right away because uh, uh, yours truly has a volleyball telecast on Friday uh, with number 24 UCF against uh, Te- Temple. Uh, so I may either I'll do it from the venue. Maybe I'll write it up quick or I'll figure something out. But anyway, it'll be interesting to see what the TV numbers are because, again, uh, the New York Yankees-Cleveland Guardians baseball game, game two of the divisional series, that was supposed to be the heavy competition for this football game, got rained out. I think UCF, uh, the numbers will benefit from that. Had the Yankee game been played at the same time, it would have hurt the football numbers. The Yankee game one against Cleveland did over 5 million viewers. The Yankees are a huge TV draw. Obviously, the NFL was Washington and Chicago, two bad teams there. So um, I'll be curious to see what kind of TV numbers this game does. I think it'll be actually – I think more people will watch this game than they did last week, the SMU game. So what that number is, final number, I I would say it's probably about 800,000 to close to a million. We'll see. Although the blowout's probably going to hurt some of the back-end numbers. But um, I'm not really going to comment on the jerseys because I think it's all silly stuff. I will say, though, I do like this color black. I know that's been a lot of topic. I don't know why some people don't like the color black that they use. I actually personally like the black that you had. If you just got rid of the blue – and just go all black, I'm all in. Well, I don't know if, if Jeff Sharon would like that, considering oh, yeah, he needs to see, see from the broadcast booth. I'll tell you what, I'm a big fan of the black, too, when it comes to jerseys. I mean, look what I'm wearing right now. I love the black. I, I, I Fade to black, baby. ACDC. I, I, I would love I, – I like the black a lot. And to me, I, my only thing is we're a black and gold school. We're not – you know, we're not blue. We're not all that. Um but I don't actually, I didn't mind the jerseys. And more importantly, like I said on the podcast, Bryson, as long as they win, if they win, I'm good with it. If they would have lost this game, I would have said, burn the jerseys. You know what I mean? Just win, baby. Just I win. mean, I'm, I, I couldn't because even though we may have, even lose. though a loss, there, if a loss had happened in these jerseys, the jerseys look too good to burn. I burn mean, them. Just like don't wear the gold, don't wear the big game gold helmets anymore. We we don't win those anymore. So stop wearing those. That's my I'm very superstitious when it comes to that. Let's get into Michael White um with a good question here, comment. Offensive line is really starting to gel. Not quite the push as they got in the second half against SMU, but they're more consistently opening holes in the middle and giving a clean pocket. I agree. They've been getting better and better. We'll ask Kyle Nash when he joins us in a little bit about that but i do think the offensive line quietly has gotten better and deserves some of the credit for this success that the offense has had in the on the ground running the football uh, oh yes i mean heck we almost saw one of those offensive linemen get a touchdown tonight with tylen with tylen grable i i honestly kind of wanted him to just get a handoff real quick as i mean it's this kind of inventiveness i think that gus malzahn loves to kind of pull sometimes on offense that it makes me really appreciate him because he not, he not only is able to execute the fundamentals very well, but he's also someone that's able to, you know, keep you on your toes a little bit with a little bit of creative play stuff with the Bowser cat. That's been doing really well this season you have. And then this, this, and then this with Tylen Grable. I mean, what, what were you thinking? You're muted, Eric. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. By the way, Steve Collins makes it. I agree with what Steve Collins points out here. Uh, by the way, thanks to everybody who's tuning in. This is great. Love the audience feedback here. Uh, O-line has been the difference in the last two games. Running game opens up passing game football 101. Amen. Amen, Steve Collins. Props to Steve Collins. 
nailing it. It all starts in the line. I really have enjoyed that. Um, I really do the deal there. Uh, there. So we'll see. Good, good performance there. Um, so let's cut. You know, good performance there. Where, like I said, uh, the offensive line. I think they're getting better and better. Uh, deal. So a uh, couple other notes. I guess you wanted to get into the Ross Dellinger report that, of course, has to come out right on the eve of the kickoff of this game on Thursday night about the Big Twelve close to finalizing their schedule. Correct. Yes, yes, Eric, because so, UCF is going to be joining the Big 12 next season. And then Ralph Ross Dellinger came out with an article today that set, that mentioned that the Big 12 is now, it seems it is coming to at finalizing a scheduling format for the two years that it will include UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU, as well as Texas and Oklahoma before they leave for the SEC in what is scheduled to be 2025. And what I want to really... And, and what I want to really target here is this paragraph here where it says in the targeted format, conference members will continue to play nine league games in a divisionless model with the top two teams being in the championship game. The two year format is set up for each team to play all others at least once. So what I'm hearing here is, is UCF versus Texas and Oklahoma could be in the cards if Texas and Oklahoma end up staying through 2025 like this model proposed. Right. I'm still skeptical that's going to happen. Everybody's telling me they're gone after 2024. Could this be an article that was leaked because to put some pressure on Oklahoma and Texas to perhaps cough up a few bucks? Perhaps. Um, that is significant, though, because a few months ago I was told that the new members of the Big 12 would not get an opportunity to play Oklahoma and Texas uh, in the Big 12. So that is significant news on that. That's good for the box office. Let's be real. Uh, if UCF gets to host Oklahoma or a Texas, let's say, in the next year, uh, that will be box office for ticket sales and things like that. So that's good news. Timing of this is interesting. I've always been told that the Big 12 schedule will come out in the next uh, by the end of October. Remember, the commissioner of the Big 12 will be here on the Wednesday before the Cincinnati football game. So maybe we'll get some more information at that point. Pam Duffy with a quick question, a uh, thought here before we go to our Kyle, who's about to join us. Let's talk about the quarterback swap. Castellanos looks promising. Glad he got some reps. Amen to that, Pam. That was really, really good. Let's bring in our guest, Mr. Bryson Turner, to talk about more about the quarterback position, shall we? Yes, sir. Let's do that. Every, uh, everyone watching on YouTube and listening later on, later on here now to talk about the game is the student of the game. Wow. Look Kyle at that suit. Pack. Look at that Look at suit. That Perfect background for the state game. Perfect. Nice, nice location scouting, Kyle. Hey, this is what I do. This is part of the job. And hey, listen, I'm not going to take credit for a suit. I'm not brave enough to wear a jacket in this heat, but maybe for is, the is bowl that, game. Wait, is that a dark, <laughs> dark black you're wearing there just like foot, the football team did? Is that like kind of the homage there? That looks like a dark black uh sweatshirt there it is a dark black shirt i even have some uh gold cufflinks here also my pink tie for cancer awareness month as well 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 done well done on that uh let's get your thoughts about this game a lot of praise tonight about the quarterbacks jrp and thomas castellanos which i really want to mm -hmm. get into about that as well but let's first your overall thoughts on this uh dominant performance for ucf we said on the podcast kyle they needed to make a statement and dominate. They did that. 
Oh, unquestionably. And listen, it doesn't just start with the quarterback position and all of that. I'm, and I put that aside because I know we're going to go there a little later. Uh, listen, offensive line, of course, it starts there. They handled business. Heck, they even got involved on the ground there with Grable <laughs> getting what is listed as a carry for a really long toss there near the goal line to set up Bowser's touchdown. And I have to point out Bowser's touchdown because the other running touchdowns, for the most part, were by quarterbacks and not running backs, right? And then, of course, the receivers handling their business. The defense keeping their cool. Oh, well, I mean, Temple was 100% in the red zone. Oh, darn, that number's blowed up, right? By the way, the number that matters, still less than 20 points a game allowed for your UCF Knights. One other Agreed. one other thing I noticed is that you, is Temple had not allowed any team so far because Michael Rukowski mentioned before the game, they said Temple's defense was pretty good, and they, they were pretty good before this. They didn't allow anybody – to get 30 points or more. And UCF went and got more than double that. Oh, yeah. That's it. I mean, listen, what, what more can be said for domination? This what it, this is what it looks like, gentlemen, where it goes on all cylinders. That is what it is. And, and say what you will about Temple as an opponent. I know Eric and I were our own set of critical for certain things that they would provide, um, you know, on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. But they came out and did a few things you didn't expect either. The first three plays were good for 39 yards. I wasn't ready for that. Now, granted, corrections were made and adjustments took place. And listen, at the end of the day, it's that consistency that everybody's trying to look for. And you saw consistency tonight. I want to read you what Steve Collins, uh, a listener, tweeted just before you got on, because I think this is right up. You, you've been We've been discussing this. O-line has been the difference in the last two games. Running game, op running game opens up the passing game. Football one-on-one. You, I think that's a great statement, doesn't? Is it? Is it not a coincidence that JRP starting to play better as the offensive line's playing better? Yeah, listen. If 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 uh, if Mr. Collins were here, I would high five him and and show appreciation for his visionary uh, statement. There, no, I mean obviously that that goes in line with what we've been talking about a hundred percent. And and you know I can only bang the drum so much. The offensive line did their job tonight. It's what you want to see. Kyle, I want to ask you something because I've been monitoring the, uh, the the Twitter and I in the group chat we, we have going here the Black and Gold Banneret. Drew Andrew Glukov said that uh, that Kobe his the Kobe Hudson presser might be his all time favorite for him. Can you talk about what Kobe Hudson had to say after the game and what maybe might have uh, compelled Drew to to make that claim? Well, Drew's a blue collar guy, so you know I, I think I know the specific thing he was bringing up, but. You know, he started off talking about how he felt like the team got better. Um, uh, the way they got better from him, the word he used a lot was believe, belief. We've heard faith from this group, from coaches, from the offensive players, from the defensive players, for the offensive players, believing that the offense would catch up to the defense, which obviously the scoreboard has shown we have seen, right? That belief and, and all the offensive players that were up there tonight had that look of seeing the vision come to life. And by the way, the bonus of John Rice Plumbing coming out in a flight, a flight control, a blue flight control astronaut suit was an interesting touch at the presser as well. I'm not sure if you've seen that on Twitter yet, but yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. He was jealous of coach that he got dressed up in, in the hype uh, leading up to the game. So he was a quarterback. His offense put up 70 something points. He got his opportunity. But going back to Hudson, when asked how John Rice Plumley has gotten better in his mind, one word, vision. 
And it's funny. Not only was it he who said that, I believe there was another player that said that. Uh, John Rice Plumley. I asked him, go, listen, I asked him, Coach Malzahn has at, uh, said that the uh, goal for the offense was to get better in small steps. What's the giant leap that you've made to improve your game, John Rice? And he said, as well, vision. That pass that he found Bowser on early in the second half that could that could have involved by all rights by other quarterbacks in, in the nation should have been a busted drive was rescued by him finding Bowser across the bleeding field where he broke off that it's listed as a 45 yarder. But hey, as far back as he was in the backfield, I think it was closer to 60. You know, uh, at any rate, he did that. That drive becomes a score. It turns on its head and all on the strength of John Rice Plumley, Plumley controlling the ball. 18 for 22. That's a completion percentage, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, no turnovers two games in a row for John Rice Plumley. So, is, yeah. Is, and then is, this is what Gus envisioned, Kyle, right? When he named the quarterback and he talked about how he envisioned what uh, JRP would do at, you know, in practice because they were not live. So he said, hey, this is how he would have done because he couldn't run and stuff. This is what Gus envisioned, why he put JRP in. Tonight was a win for Gus in that regard in the quarterback position. And Thomas Castellanos in this system looked fantastic, too, coming off the bench as well. I, I this If you're a UCF fan tonight, I feel really good about the quarterback position in the right now moving forward uh, with what I saw from JRP and Thomas. There's clearly been improvement there. Listen, you needed a scuba certification to appreciate all the depth that took place, and I think that kind of hooks into what else Drew liked about Kobe Hudson's press conference. Um, the question was asked of him uh, what it what it looked like with all the guys on the field playing, you know, all, all young players getting the opportunity, and he cited um, uh, Stephen Martin as somebody who, you know, is a great downfield blocker, got, has earned his kind of his keep by, you know, playing away from the ball and all this stuff. Gets catches and a score tonight, I believe. Just a huge night when you see uh, your, your brothers like that from their perspective get more time. It's great to have a, a seven targets for seven catches stat for Ryan O'Keefe, but the guys who don't get to uh, have time get their chance to eat is something the vets like to see because they remember being those younger players. And I'm kind of referencing some of O'Keefe's uh, um, responses to press conference questions too, but he said he likes seeing it because he remembers being that young guy. I, I did see, by the way, to answer to um, to clarify what you said earlier, Kyle, I did see the picture of John Rice Plumley in the little <laughs> thing on Twitter. Was that the same one that Gus wore for the TikTok video that they posted? Uh, listen, I'm over 40, uh, Bryson. I don't watch TikTok, so I'll leave it to you to figure that out. But right. um, no, I don't know that it was the same one, but John did cite that he was jealous of Coach that he didn't get a chance to dress up like he did leading into the week. So what else would did you think stood out from the from the pre, from the press conferences tonight from what you heard? You know, I asked coach uh, uh, what he felt like, um, you know, the goal again, as he said it on Monday, I mentioned it in the presser preview on the black and gold banneret dot com. And the, the big thing he's mentioned is just the same as he mentioned it last year. You might have seen the clip on the black and gold banneret Twitter about last year at this point around the halfway point looking to get better looking to to be that team that gets good late like great teams in college football do i asked coach what he thought they did better and really i think the the answer he gave me what what i basically kind of put together is consistency consistency is the thing that he saw 
doing it time and again, getting all the little details right. Two penalties on the evening? That's, that's, I think that's a, a low mark for this squad so far this season. And uh, granted, I know this isn't SMU. Of course, that was a blowout too. So say what you will. But it's going to be interesting. I know uh, as far as the next step for growth leading into the ECU game, which is a Saturday night affair on the road, I'm wondering if the focus is going to be figuring out how to win on the road consistently. Because listen, there's no, if they make a bowl game, chances are if they remain successful, it's not going to be something in their backyard just dropping down to the Gasparilla for a short drive for fans to basically take over the place. They're going to have to take a trip. And if they want that postseason success, they got to get used to doing it. Well, look, I said earlier, next month, <clears throat> at East Carolina, come to host Cincinnati. Go to Memphis. You go to Tulane. That's in the next four games. We're... That, to me, will define the 2022 UCF football season, don't you? Yeah, just the statement of there's only two more home games in itself is kind of mind-blowing. Um, yeah, so the ability to travel on the road, and I, I'm talking about bowl games. You're right, Eric. I'm premature. The ability to travel on the road is something they better have if they want to make this success season as successful as it looks like it could be. Well, let me uh, ask you about Javon Baker. Uh, what do you know, if anything, if that was talked about after the game, and what what what's the what's the what's the sense about Javon Baker? Do you think he'll be okay? Yeah, the scuttlebutt is a coach did mention him getting nick, nicked up. What I've heard is that it's an ankle, but you know, at, at this point in a game like this, Eric, I mean, we've talked about it, Bryce, and I'm pretty sure you know you're, you're on board with this too. Um, that you know, Temple isn't exactly the marquee opponent they're worried about. You know, they want to be able – I would assume at the very least they want to have enough guys ready if uh, East Carolina gets into a shootout, which it might. I know Holton Naylor is Elo's favorite quarterback, but he's a guy that's been slinging for 300 yards a game this season, say what you will. So if that game goes into a, a, a shootout, you're going to want all your guys as healthy as you can get. And, hey, that's why the backup's eight. That is what it is. Um, and hopefully Hudson – or excuse me, not Hudson. Baker can make a quick recovery. Let me ask you about the, the quarterback thing – for a couple things. Do you agree now this is JRP's team from here on out unless he gets injured? I'm pretty sure that's been made clear some time ago by coach. Um, I understand. And, There's and, just some people in the audience, some people, you know, out there still, you know, they're going to hold on to hope that, you know. I know. You know I know. There's know. some people JR pouting. I get it. But um, oh, in order good. for – you see what I did there? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it, at this point, for Plumley to be pull, pulled other than injury – I think it's it's going to have to take multiple losses at this point. We're talking uh, yeah. he would he would have to drop he would have to drop all the road games basically for me to even think that they'll talk about it, which is really actually a span of four games because honestly, since he may come out and do well on defense, they're still right. respectable, you know, despite the graduation. So um, basically, if those people are still holding out hope for that to happen, stop. Right. Yeah, and I'm not saying he's going to light it up, you know, the rest of the year, but I'm just saying this is Certainly. his team. And I think yeah, you, even, you, you can tell that by the players, right? They they believe in him. They, that's the, the impression you're getting, too, and talking to him, not just in post games, but in media availability, don't you? Oh, 100%. Even defensive guys are, are, are saying the same thing, you know, about, about seeing that all come true and, and you know, going from being the, the group that's kind of carried this team, let's call it what it is, early on, and to see the offense catch up. They're excited to watch the entire team work together in synchronicity. Heck, any 
football player that gets to play on a team where everybody is cooking like they're supposed to. I was lucky enough to experience that in my semi-pro time. It is a unique feeling like no other. Let me ask you real quick, uh, Bryson. Uh, let me ask you this, then. Let's say your thoughts on Castellanos tonight. Here's my theory. You know, obviously, yeah. right, as a young quarterback. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, go, go ahead, Eric, sorry. No, go, okay. ahead, go ahead with your thoughts on him first, then I'll counter. I'll kind of piggyback off that. As a young quarterback, obviously, you saw, saw a lot of running and all of that. But the passes he did throw, granted, they weren't bombs or anything crazy like that, but were strikes that were very precise, had good velocity, and most importantly, gentlemen, he was under pressure. Listen, I'm on record as saying early on he still looked like that deer in headlights. We're starting to see that fade, gentlemen. And if you're a UCF fan, seeing that growth before your eyes happen in these late affairs where it's out of hand, but he's coming in to do his job to get better, he's going to be somebody that has that potential to improve. I'm not saying JR he's going to replace JRP, but let's just put it this way. If JRP stays, we don't know how that's going to work, obviously. But in the outside chance he stays, Castellanos, I think he'll stay here and continue to develop and then work into being that guy. It's going to be very interesting what another offseason will do for him. I also love this toughness running a guy over on one of his long runs to get that touchdown. That's what you want to see the young player. They're not at that stage where they're like, hey, pump the brakes quite yet. Um, so a lot of good things from Castellanos tonight, no question. Would you – let me ask you this. If something were to happen to JRP and he goes down, do you think it's on? Do you think you the staff considers just going to Castellanos because you don't have to change the offense as much as you would if you had to go to Mikey Keene? That kind of crossed my mind a little bit during the fourth quarter. I, I got to admit, Kyle. Plus, I'm, Mikey Keene hasn't played this year, which is fascinating. The Thomas has already played three games. He could play in four and still get the red shirt. So let's not overreact to that. But. Thomas is much more similar to what capable of doing what JRP does for this offense and a better fit than Mikey Keene. I'm just throwing that out there. Your thoughts. Yeah. The only thing, the only put, first of all, that makes a butt ton of on field football sense. Elo, I, I congratulate you as a Duke of the diamond to apply yourself to football. No, I, listen, we're joking aside there. I think the big decision that they would have to make, and I, I'm not in, uh, connected enough yet to know exactly what that looks like, but if they're willing to burn Castellanos' red shirt, then that's what they're going to do. Um, I, I'm, but I can't rule out that Mikey Keene is still going to be keen about getting some time in because if he is, if if the rumors are true that he's trying to transfer, he's going to want to get some film to show people, hey, I haven't lost any time sitting on the sideline for a year. Unless he may not want to play an X amount of games because he would lose a year. If he's going to transfer, um, is, that's possible too. Like the, again, there's right. a lot of rules and things right. in play Let's here. Let's hope it no doesn't question. come to that because again, that would be under the scenario that JRP is hurt. And right. if he throws like he does tonight, and they don't have to run him as much, which is to me the other thing I liked about tonight, Kyle. Remember, I was not happy how they ran a lot early. He <laughs> didn't run that much tonight, and RJ Harvey ran a lot, which was great to see. If they could keep him healthy and not force him to run 15, 20 times a game, I think he stays healthy the whole year. And he doesn't have to run 15, 20 times when you got guys like Bowser and R.J. Harvey running the way they are, right? Heck, between you between you pointing that out and Drew having early criticisms about Bowser being overused, well, heck, you're both happy now. We saw depth go to work tonight. I, I think uh, he even made a comment, uh, Coach Gus, uh, during the presser about a lot of running backs in tonight. You know, I, I mean, listen. 
the black and gold banner ret tweet of the night was regarding Jordan McDonald scoring. Okay, that's that's all I'm saying. You had a very good gif of that with the McDonald McDonald's gif right there. I was going to actually mentioning how you know you 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 mentioned the backups eat eating and there were, we got some people that had some good time. Jordan e. Wortham got we got to see. We got to see Stephen Martin. We got to see. R.J. Harvey a little more than we did in the past couple of games, and Jordan McDonald. What what were your thoughts about seeing them? Seeing them. I mean, so I don't mean to make this oversimplified, Bryson, but listen, since I've covered UCF for various outlets since 2017, what's the one position that I heard the most hype about offensively? The running backs, again and again. The story to me, and listen, I love seeing Trillian Coles get his uh, get his carries and you know do his thing. He's a great story. Jordan McDonald getting his stuff young. Mark Anthony Richards getting some touches. Everybody ate tonight. I think the story, if we're talking about depth, Bryson, is the receiver core showing out at all parts of the roster. Fantastic stuff there, too. But, yeah, the running backs did their job. And, and, and you know, we kind of uh, we kind of joked about this. Jeff and I, you know, it's a matter of, of getting them the ball in, with good opportunities when it comes to that receiver core. They're catching it now. Yay! So when they do that, they could do you're shocked that they're O'Keefe's now, or excuse me, that they're athletes now? Athlete O'Keefe. Okay, those are those are synonyms. That's why I said it wrong. But the punchline's this. We know we have athletes at wide receiver, them getting the ball in space. Somebody's got it, it, the only hope in my mind to really stop that is if I if, is if I'm a defense that's a breakfast secondary, meaning I attack receivers early. If you let these cats come off the ball or find space, we have seen you are in pure trouble, period, point blank. Um, by the way, I wanted to just get your thoughts on it. How how proud were you, happy were you to see Tylen Grable get that rush and almost get the title? <laughs> Obviously, it would have been better if he scored. But listen, as somebody who was uh, the proper build and fit and agility for a big man to be used as a tackle eligible, I never got the chance. But to see that is always fun. And listen, it's meaningful to do in the playbook, not just uh, so big man get ball, but who's who's expecting that? Who ex who here had who here had Grable on their binger card getting a touch tonight? Put your hand down your line. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Last thing about the football game, because I got some we got some other other items we want to address with you. How sure. many security guys had to grab Andrew Glukoff to make sure he didn't grab, try to steal one of those space jerseys? How many? <laughs> um, you know, I'll put it this way. They basically kind of uh, uh, set up a wedge at the elevator so they could kind of, you know, bottleneck his approach. And, and that's how they kept him under control. <laughs> well played uh, what were your thoughts on the uniforms by the way because oh I, I said that i said that this was like i think this could very well be my favorite space game uniform if, if, if and if not it's only slightly held back because of the helmet uh right and and for my money my favorite helmet is definitely the moon helmet no question but yep. you know for me personally it beat the pants off of the sh space shuttle last year and it's not close um, best ever. I can't go that far, but it's in the conversation. And I know there are those who are critical of it, but let's put it this way. The Jersey snobs I know, the Drew Glukovs, the Christian Simmons, all of that, nothing but positive. And even a few, just when I ask, two words, best ever. That is Kyle Nash. This is Night Shift here. Eric Lopez here alongside Bryce and Turner uh, on blackygoldbanneret.com. Now, Kyle Nash, ladies and gentlemen, has been by far 
the busiest media person to, on Thursday in the Orlando market. Charlie <laughs> Trace Trelco, a good friend of Sons of UCF, is right there with him. Why I bring this up is because before the football game, this, today was the American Conference Media Day. They've had it for the last two days virtual. And on Thursday, UCF men's basketball uh, and women's basketball were on stage, if you will. And uh, mm-hmm. Bryson has a clip from it. And uh, we I think we recognize this, this voice that uh, asked, asked Johnny Dawkins a question. Let's play the clip, Bryson. Well, typically for us, you know, we, you know, we, we want to stay focused on the task at hand, and that's, that's being as, as good a basketball team as we can be. And that's going to require discipline. And so what we wanted our guys to do was to understand the importance of being focused uh, and then just holding guys accountable, holding everyone accountable to the standards that we have in our program. We have very, very high standards here at UCF, and we want to make sure we hold our student athletes, you know, to those standards. And, and they've embraced that. As I said, we've gotten, you know, you know, watching our players, it's been fun seeing just the buy-in that they've given us in, in, in our culture because it, it may be different in another culture. And, and I think everyone is kind of bought into what we want. That's, of course, UCF men's basketball coach Johnny Dawkins no, answering the no. question of Kyle Nash, who, for the visual audience, you could you saw him all over dominating American I, conference media. You were all over Twitter. Every, all the clips that UCF and the conference was grabbing of UCF had you involved. I uh, but, but, Eric, there's no tie. I mean, you know, just like Clark Kent can't be Superman because he wears glasses, that can't be me. I have a tie. That's, That's true. I can't. <laughs> That's true. What was uh give me your give me your takeaway. First, let's start with the men's team. I know that Johnny spoke and a couple of the UCF players spoke. You got a chance to talk to him. What was your impression, Kevin, for the audience that may have missed it? Uh listen, uh, when it comes listen, the players offered, by the way, um, I don't know if Bryson can find it, but we have a clip uh on the black and gold banner at Twitter as well of both DJ Darius Johnson and CJ Walker. Uh, the, the two main uh, primary returners from last year that are going to definitely be the nucleus to what we're seeing. The main thing that I found interesting is the question was asked of those two players, what's going to be the big thing you needed to improve from last year? And point blank, C.J. Walker said discipline. They're not beating around the bush, Elo. They're acknowledging, I think it was something along the lines of make sure you're getting the practices early, not just on time doing the little things. Bryson, I think, heard me at one point kind of off to the side griping after one of the Houston games. I saw five, six guys afterwards shooting, you know, getting, you know, getting the field, you know, just doing that practicing extra, in other words, on an opposing court. On the UCF side, I only saw one guy, Darius Johnson. Interesting how that works. And it's those little things like that that I think C.J. Walker's pointing out. This team is focused on defense on the or excuse me defense by Johnny Dawkins coaching and discipline being the key to what they do to improve. And listen, you heard Johnny talking about you know getting buy-in and things like that. Obviously, the first step to improve discipline. Yeah, that that stood out when he said that. I, I was kind of fascinating, uh, hmm. and it's interesting because you know this team won 18 games, uh, 99 in the conference. They were inconsistent and. I think, yeah, I think when you look at them, I I think we questioned the chemistry of the team last year, and I think maybe C.J. Walker kind of leaned into that a little bit by saying maybe some discipline, you know, some issues internally when your upperclassmen, your so-called leaders, are not consistent, uh, that kind of affects it. But that was fascinating to see from C.J. Walker and what they had to say. What's your thoughts on what Johnny Dawkins had to say? 
Yeah, I mean, with Johnny, listen, I think him mentioning the buy-in is the biggest thing. And beyond that, I mean, listen, he has a defense-first philosophy, right? That's the mantra. That's the mantra. That's the attack. That's where he's going to come from. And at the end of the day, if, if they start there, everything else will fall into place. Say what you will about the offensive explosion that was the Michigan game last year and probably the single best half of basketball I have personally witnessed as a fan or covering it personally. Uh, yeah, that that's completely different. It's also not typical of what you're going to see from a UCF team. Not because they're incapable of shooting. It's just it's a lot to ask of anybody. So I, I say all that to say typically when they win, what do they do? Turnovers kept down, points Scored consistently, of course, and then the defense locks down and causes problems for the other side without getting into foul trouble. Foul trouble was a factor in how many games, Elo, last year? That's yeah. the kind of stuff you're looking to take off the table. And, hey, on the consistency side, if you're not disciplined and you're not practicing a full clip, how do you build chemistry if you're not together more time that other uh, teams are spending? Bryson, you've got the clip here that Kyle referred to a er moment earlier about C.J. Walker, and here's Kyle's uh, conversation with C.J. Walker and uh, the, those comments. Uh, I think the message this year is just defense. Like, in the previous teams, the previous winning teams that Coach Dawkins had, they were, like, number one defense in the country a few years ago. So we're just trying to build back to that defensive principles and be the best defensive team in the country. Yeah, with, with a lot of new guys and a lot of young new guys, um, he just really wants to harp on what it takes to win. And with defense being the main thing, Right now, our defensive play is, is, is what's going to take us there. That's what he's harping on the most. That was Darius Johnson first and then C.J. Walker answering uh, Kyle's questions there. So very good stuff. Very fascinating. And I was good to hear Darius talk about the defense, Kyle. Mm -hmm. This team's got to get back to being a top defense. That's when that was Johnny Dawkins, uh, you know, really when the first when they made the NCAAs. They're a defensive first team. I liked a lot what they say. Obviously, I know people are going to say, well, that's just talk and all that. We've got to see it on the court. But, you know, I'd like the talk I, I would not be surprised if this team ends up with better chemistry than last year's team and maybe accomplishes some more things that maybe we don't expect because of simple things like that you know it's interesting there's a point that the the women's basketball coach the team messer made that i think applies here to johnny dawkins group as well with newer guys you can put your stamp on what's going on a lot more than with veterans who are established and set in their ways and I liked Darius Perry as a player. I know he was set in his ways. He knew how to play basketball, slashing and, and being wild. Uh, Darren Green, he could shoot the rock great and oftentimes did. But did he do more beyond that? Could you expand his game? Could you change his game at that point in their careers? And the answer was not really. And, and, and this isn't a, short, a shortcoming of them as players. It's tough for any human being to do let alone a college athlete who's, you know, still relatively young and figuring out their own identities in general, that kind of thing. Now, you mentioned C uh, Cynthia Messer. That's the women's basketball head coach, ladies and gentlemen. And they also had a couple of players. And this is the first of many times that Kyle Nash will be asked this question by me, by Bryson. <laughs> well, maybe Bryce. Bryson don't know who, who are the players. He'll be asked by people coming in in the, in the media, other media outlets, who is these players for women's basketball? Who was re who was representing UCF women's basketball here, Kyle? Well, the big piece here is the one on the right there, Nay Hutton. It was amazing to hear her talk about it. Earlier in the presser in question, uh, Satya Messer 
mentioned her comparing her to Charles Barkley. So I had asked her about that too. She, she had a lot of fun with that. But, you know, listen, a lot of uh, talk about buying in, you know, it's, it's a good thing. There's two things that I'm, I kind of absorbed from both the players and Coach Messer talking. Um, Coach Messer used both the term um, positionless basketball and also talked a lot about playing tough. So it's kind of a mix of, of what Dawkins used to is talked about before with positionless basketball and then a mix of some of what we've seen from the previous regime under Coach Abe being tough underneath. And listen, a big part of that, something I think UCF fans and myself covering the team were happy to hear about, Destiny Thomas will still be around to make a role as well. Amen. Somebody we can recognize there, uh, Bryson. Bryson, let's play the clip there of Kyle talking to the players. Energy, details, and toughness. Those three right there, if we have those, we're going to be good this season. That is Coach, Mar uh, Coach Messer's motto, uh, as well as don't stop. So. Yeah, won't stop is also, yeah, that's her big like mantra. It's kind of like, even though we've had a lot of obstacles thrown at us, I guess having a whole new team, whole new coaching staff, it's we're just going to have to work that much harder to really get to the level that we want to play at. So That was the uh, clip there from earlier today from the media day. Kyle Nash, he's all over Twitter, too, on all those clips. <laughs> the star. Bryson, he's the star. he was the star of media day. He really was. Um, by the way, um, Ashton Versault, by the way, uh, by the mm -hmm. way, is the uh, it was the, was the woman on the left. I believe she is actually a returner from last year's season. Ashton is yes. Ashton Very is good. a returner. She did see sometimes stepping in. You know, um, on the rare occasions there were foul trouble, um, and she did. You know, she contributed that way. And actually, Satya Messer cited her and some of the other returning players in not just so much obviously buying into the new system, but also being helpful in implementing it as well. So Ashton was a part of that aspect as well. Well, Kyle, you're going to be a big part of the basketball coverage this year as Bryson and myself. We're looking forward to basketball season getting here. I'm going to go ahead and phrase my last question to you like most of the media did to all these teams over the two days. Nothing against the media. I've covered many of these. It, it, sometimes it gets monotonous. But some of the questions were silly. So I'm going to go ahead and mock uh, some of the, the popular question that many media people ask these coaches and players, and I'm going to phrase it to you in this form, Kyle. Uh, Kyle Nash, this is going to be your second year on the Black and Gold Banneret covering basketball. What are your expectations for your coverage of basketball this upcoming year? Well, first of all, uh, listen, I, I feel privileged just to be here for a full year with the Black and Gold Banneret. Um, you know, you two, obviously, of course, and and those who, who watch and partake of the various products we put out there on the Black and Gold Banneret, I feel blessed to be accepted and a part of this group and, and look to provide whatever veteran leadership I could offer to Bryson Turner or any of the other younger folks that are a part of the team. Um, but at the end of the day, listen, so long as, as we continue to execute, uh, show you uh, the stuff with our solid predictions that you can expect throughout the season, um, as we've done with our football coverage and coverage in other sports that Bryson has taken care of on the Olympic side, uh, you'll continue to get a product that's uh, incredibly awesome, despite the fact that this time a month ago, we basically had no idea who was on either team, generally for the most part. <laughs> that was well done.
That's exactly what we saw for two days of the media days. And I don't know, why do us media people ask these questions? Like, what's your expectation? What do we expect them to say? Hey, man, we have no expectations. I'm going to be honest, man. I think we suck, Kyle. I think we're going to have a bad year. <laughs> Nobody ever says that. Like, why do we ask these questions? Let me go a little off script, Elo. I try to ask those different questions for you guys out there. No, not just Bryson Turner and Elo, but those of you here participating here on the night shift with the black and gold banneret, so you can get something different. Why do you think they pick my clips guy? Oh, good point. <laughs> right, yeah, no, that's, that's Kyle good. Nash, folks, the Twitter king of the basketball media days. <laughs> the football game there. You'll be uh, seeing a lot of his content on BlackEagleBattery.com with football and basketball. Hey, man, great work today, not just with the football game, but the basketball game. I know it's been a, a long Thursday for you, just like for many of the UCF personnel people that had to uh, do all get all that stuff to run there. But fantastic work uh, and always a pleasure, sir, uh, talking to you. Hey, an honor, joy, and privilege. And listen, I'm from what I hear, UCF Hoops Media Day will be next week. We'll find that out more officially as the word comes. But until next time, gentlemen, class dismissed. There he is, Kyle Nash from the State Bounce House after the football game win and a good little basketball talk to wrap up AAC Media Days there. Let's kind of quickly wrap up the show, Bryson, with some Olympic sports news. Big record historic day. Uh, when it comes to women's soccer, dominant performance uh, at home a couple hours before the football game, 4 nothing win. The big story, Kristen Scott, two goals, including marking her 30th of her career, Bryson. Yes, sir. Kristen, Kristen, uh, Kristen Scott's back in the starting lineup. She um, she had a four-match four absence, but where and which you see the, the women's soccer team did not win a game, but – once she came back, it was like this offense just kind of stepped up to another level once again. And today against Cincinnati, which I have to think they had to play with a chip on their shoulder a little bit because they're because last season Cincinnati uh, really derailed their momentum going into the conference tournament. And this year, this and today they just thumped them for nothing. And Kristen Scott was a major part in doing that. She got two of those two of those goals enough to get her to that 30th mark. I actually have this right here. We have the uh, UCF women's soccer record book right here. And as you can see, she is now amongst Nicolette Radovic, Michelle Anderson, and Amy Geltz at the 30 goal mark. But if you notice, no one has gotten this far since the Knights have joined the American. Last last time somebody has gotten to the 30 goal mark was Radovic in 2012. So it's been a while since we've had a goal scorer of Kristen Scott's caliber. Fourth UCF player since 2000 to reach that mark. And uh, I know you and uh, the media talked to her after the win by UCF. UCF, by the way, first place now in the American Conference, unbeaten in their last five, three straight wins. No coincidence that Kristen Scott has returned from injury during this three-game win streak, and uh, you guys had a chance to talk to her. So let's hear from Kristen Scott. All right, Kristen, back in the starting lineup, got a pair. To, what is it? What has it meant to you to be able to get back? You get back in the starting lineup today. I mean, it it means just about as much as uh, the last game. You know, just any sort of playing time. Like I'm grateful for. Um, it's nice uh, to be on the field with everybody again. And yeah, I mean, it's just 
playing time. Playing time is awesome. And how valuable do you feel your teamwork is within this team to win each game? Amazing. I think we look so sharp right now. I think like our movement on and off the ball, our passing strength, like we just look great. We look in control. We look dangerous. Like I'm so proud of this team going forward and defensively. Yeah, the offense just kept Pepper in that Pepper in the goal. 17 shots overall, seven of a seven of a seven of on goal. How would you just describe the intensity of the offense today? Um, I think everybody just wanted it. Everybody wanted to score, and you know that's the mentality that we uh, we train here. That's the mentality we want. We want people to go to goal, killer instinct, we call it. So um, just proud of everybody all around, like bringing it to them. How does it feel bouncing back against Cincinnati from last year? Great. <laughs> great. Uh, you ask anyone on this team, you know, like, really don't like going to Cincinnati. It's cold. Somehow it's always raining. It's turf. Field's narrow. So to take them here at home where it's warm and kind of sunny, um, a nice wide grass field, like, yeah, that's how we like it. You got your 30th goal of your career tonight. First first, first time a night player has done it since 2012. What does it mean to you to be able to have gotten the chance to score as many times as you have throughout your career? I'm just grateful for my teammates, you know, like it's a lot of assists, 30 assists. So um, I've played with some really amazing players and a lot of them are still here. And I'm just grateful for, you know, everybody that's had my back. It's, it's a team accomplishment, you know. Two more. Oh, you, so you're going up against Tulsa, you know, you're still at Tulsa in South Florida in the, uh, ahead of you. Both of them are right up the, right up there with you at the top of the conference. What has having these last couple matches been for you guys to build some confidence going up against those players? I mean, it's great. I mean, I think that we all have so much confidence as a team. We're having a lot of fun. I mean, how can you score four goals and not have fun? Um, so I think we're just ready to keep it rolling. What is it going to take? What do you think it's going to take for you guys to be able to get the W next time around? Stay focused get the same thing done, you know, keep being clinical in the box, as Tip said, on both ends, um, and we'll get it done. Awesome. Thank you, Chris, and congrats. That was Kristen Scott after the UCF women's soccer win there. Uh, Bryson, you were there covering it, talking to Kristen, talked to Coach Sahadak. Those post games are on our YouTube channel. What was your thoughts uh, in talking to both? Well, first of all, it was just nice to nice to even see Tiff Coach Tiffany Roberts Zahedak again because uh, because not only was she because uh, she was away coaching with the U.S. Women's National Team last time when they were off in Europe, and prior to that, they were away from home. And then in the match before they went on their road trip, she was all she was with the women U.S. Women's National Team again. So it was uh, it was nice to see her again, and I, I just really liked how how she just talked about the intensity like the killer instinct i think this team really has that killer instinct to it and also the back line this team really reminds me of last year's team in that Kristen scott's dominating the goal scoring caroline delisle has it locked down in the net the the biggest difference is that caroline delisle isn't getting pepper with goals all the time which was what really i think spelled doom for the, for the team last season. Now that they have some depth there that Coach Tiff has said that they have not had for some time, that Delisle now doesn't have to be the last line of defense anymore. And now you can have people like George Eaton Collins, Kelly Spartan, Matilda Cack, that can clear that can clear balls and then and be able to, you know, I guess, take the pressure off, essentially. 
dominant defense. They've played really solid. They have not given up a goal in the American. They're on top of the league right now. A couple of weeks to go in the season. They go to Tulsa this weekend. They'll play at Tulsa on Sunday. This is their last flight they got to take in the regular season because after this, they host East Carolina in a big game next Thursday. Then they've got Houston for their home regular season finale. And then they finish at South Florida to conclude the regular season title. And they could be in the mix to host a conference tournament if they win the regular season title and improve their chances of making the NCAA tournament for the automatic bid. Real quick, volleyball will be at home, back home after a month. They're still ranked 24th. They will be taking on Temple on Friday night, then East Carolina at noon. I will have the call with Meg Fitzgerald on ESPN+. Plus. They're going to honor McKenna Melville after the match on Friday for her 2,000th career kill. She's the all-time queen now in career kills. They're going to honor her later in the year, but there's too many things to honor about her. So they're going to it's going to take a while. And then they're going to also do the – they're going to unveil the banner for last year's American Conference Championship before the match against Temple on Friday. And then Ben Soccer coming off the big win against FIU will play at UAB trying to continue that momentum in the climb in the daunt in the tough American conference uh, conference race, the third strongest conference in the sport. Luca Dorado, seven straight matches with a goal. You mentioned Kristen Scott now with 30 career goals. Luca Dorado is at 27, three away from 30. Uh, the last time that we had a men's soccer player and a women's soccer player get over 30 career goals in the on campus in the same year playing at the same time era basically we had to go back to the late 90s so this is very rare uh company that we're watching on the olympic sports but of course bryson uh we wrap up with football the big one on a uh, blowout over temple 70 points from this offense and courtesy of our good friend trace trucker who's working just as hard as kyle nash of sons of ucf playing this clip here from uh our good friend ryan o'keefe talking about the offense Yeah, I mean, the receiver overall is really a big family, and you know, we, we knew our time was going to come at some point, you know, we just kept grinding, you know, just kept sticking to the plan, you know, we just, we just had to have a fun, and that's everything. Yeah, that was that was Ryan O'Keefe uh, after the post game after the night's win. You'll see all of the post game press conferences from football and women's soccer and all the sports on Black and Gold Better at YouTube channel. Bryson, your final thoughts here as we wrap up night shift here. I think this game has very much increased my confidence in this offense. I said before that I didn't think this game would be as lopsided as it ended up being because JRP and the offense have not really shown consistent the consistency that I thought that that they need to in order to you know show their capability here. They ha- they haven't put to strung JRP hasn't strung together you know, a consecutive 300-yard passing games until to not until to this time with SMU and Temple. And so while I, while I still think that there are definitely tougher outings ahead on the schedule because now they're not, they finally get to go outside the state of Florida for the first time. So now we're going to see this how this team deals with hostile environments. And I think that through these first few games, I think we've really seen this team grow and I, I would say I'm optimistic. I think Temple is certainly a mismatch, but their defense certain, but their defense certainly wasn't no slouch at the beginning of the season, and they absolutely demolished them in three th- in three quarters of the game. And so I think that as far as this game goes, this is a very good confidence builder going forward, and the, it's an assurance that 
this team can compete for the conference. The question is, is can they go out travel outside the state of Florida and then and come back home and face a ranked Cincinnati potentially and execute? And that and I think I have faith that they're that they can do that now. Check out black and gold Andrew Glukoff will have his knee jerk reaction as Rika's thoughts on the win by UCF over Temple. Well, check out also Bryson Turner. We'll have coverage of UCF Olympic sports with his uh, nightcap. And uh, certainly we'll try to break down women's soccer's victory over Cincinnati on Thursday. Of course, some men's soccer and volleyball coverage there as well. Kyle Nash will have the press conferences on the YouTube channel there. We have basketball coverage coming up soon and much, much more. Thanks to all of you for answer, uh, bringing your comments and questions uh, tonight. This has been a blast of a show. Uh, thanks to everybody tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give us a, a thumbs up. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast feed wherever you listen to your favorite podcast and give us a five-star review. Come on, I want those five-star reviews, all right? Don't, uh, you, you, come on, who's giving you this content, yeah, right? Plus, um, you can also find this live stream in our podcast feed. We always post our, yeah. our night shifts on there. So if you ever want to listen to this again, then, you, then go ahead and check out the podcast feed and subscribe for that as well. And we'll have our regular podcast during the week. We'll certainly preview the upcoming UCF East Carolina game and other games. And, of course, we'll have other sports coverage uh, as well as well as some great interviews. Tyler Paul. Jeff Sharon had an interview with Tyler Paul in the last episode that's still out there. You can still watch, listen to that episode as well. Bryson, this was a blast, sir. I will let you uh, go ahead and close the show out. Thank you very much. On behalf of both Eric and I, thank you all so much for taking your spending your evening with us. Happy Friday now, TGIF. Um, and so and enjoy this college football weekend. One of the benefits of week of weeknight games is we get to just sit back and enjoy a college football weekend, which is quite packed with action. Honestly, I'm very excited to see how that will turn out. But we can sit back in, in satisfaction and that UCF and or as as we like to call them this week, the Knots have thumped Temple in this year's space game, seventy to thirteen in what was it? just an, an amazing game to see and an amazing confidence builder for this offense. Thank you all so much for spending your time with us this evening. And I hope you have a great week, great weekend from Eric, from Eric Lopez, Kyle Nash, and myself, go Knights, charge on and have a very nice and safe weekend.